Season 4, Episode 7, Kyushu in Rebellion. According to the National Histories, Kyushu had been under the authority of the Yamato dynasty for a thousand years. It may have been the home of Yamatai, one of the earliest powerful kingdoms of the Yayoi period, which was itself possibly an ancestor of the imperial court, and the national mythology claimed that the legendary first emperor Jimmu originally came from the mountainous western island. Archaeology, however, tells a much different story. The artifacts discovered on Kyushu, dating to the Asuka and Nara periods, include a glut of international goods like fine Chinese ceramics, Korean metalwork, and shell jewelry from the Ryukyu Islands. I think it's safe to assume that generally the people of Kyushu, on average at least, would have had more contact with foreign people than the inhabitants of Honshu and Shikoku. While this didn't necessarily mean they were less loyal to the emperor than their eastern neighbors, it bears mentioning that the island has its own history, and that their unique perspective, along with their distance from the court, probably resulted in the general feelings of alienation which the leaders of Kyushu experienced from time to time. Appointing Hirotsugu as vice-governor of Dazaifu was supposed to humble him and remove him from the capital. Something which the court did not appear to have worked into its calculations was the general discontent that was gradually spreading across the Western Isle. Tachibana Moroe and Emperor Shomu likely believed that Hirotsugu would stew for a few years while entertaining dignitaries and either apologize for his rudeness or resign himself to living out the rest of his days in exile. Their intention was to neutralize a malcontent. They didn't realize they had just effectively given him an army. Their determination to remove Hirotsugu, as well as some of the later actions of the emperor, lead us to an interesting conclusion that somewhat contradicts the official chronicle. While Hirotsugu is portrayed as a lone wolf anomaly for his hostile attitude toward Kibi Makibi and Genbo in the Shoku Nihongi, we have reason to believe that many of the old-school kuge also chafed at the rapid promotions of these new men at court. Here is where we once more see the old Kabane system of the Yamato period raising its head. The aristocrats preferred for state offices to be awarded to those who rightfully inherited them from their father and had almost no interest in discussing qualifications or deferring to the examination system. If Hirotsugu was simply a lone voice criticizing the promotions of those whom he saw as unworthy, why remove him so far from the capital? For this and many other reasons which we shall discuss later in this episode, historians believe that many of the more traditionally-minded kuge were probably also hostile to the Tachibana-Kibi-Gembo triumvirate. Unlike Hirotsugu, they may have simply had the wisdom to keep silent. 
Hirotsugu had sent his fateful letter on September 28, 740. Shortly thereafter, he received the summons from Emperor Shomu, demanding that he come to court immediately. On October 2nd, he made his choice. Word came to the capital very swiftly and informed Shomu Tenno that the vice-governor of Dazaifu was raising an army. We discussed in the previous episode how Kyushu in particular had suffered immensely from both the smallpox epidemic and the inevitable famine that followed. Obviously, Hirotsugu had many eager volunteers from among the population to fight on his behalf, but he also commanded the loyalty of the garrison. No doubt they had also lived through the horrors of the epidemic and famine, and were displeased with the leadership at court, either blaming the disease on divine wrath toward imperial corruption, or angered that the tributes were still being exacted from starving farmers to fund Todaiji, another temple in the capital. In southern Kyushu, Hirotsugu likewise found eager volunteers from an unexpected source. While northern Kyushu was populated by Yamato Japanese, the south was still the home of the tribal group we discussed in episode 3, the Hayato, who may have been distantly connected to our old friends from last season, the Kumaso. You may recall the Kumaso making an appearance in the Nihon Shoki during the short reign of legendary Emperor Chuai, who died at their hand. The Hayato were organized into tribal groups throughout southern Kyushu, and while they interacted with the imperial court as little as possible and kept to their own customs as much as possible, they were still subject to paying tribute. You'll recall that a significant number of Hayato had rebelled against the equal fields system of Ritsuryo in 720. While they managed to stretch the insurgency out for an entire year, in the end they accepted their subjugation to the Yamato government. When word spread south that the vice-governor of Dazaifu was in full rebellion against the court, many Hayato eagerly offered to assist this upstart leader. As for Hirotsugu himself, he was careful to communicate his grievances in a way that would exonerate the emperor and place all the blame on Kibi Makibi and Gembo. He was not planning to replace the sovereign, which would be outright indefensible treason, but only to ensure that the bad advisers were removed so that the nation could be restored to its proper harmony. The court responded to this upheaval in the distant capital by appointing Ono Azumahito as commander-in-chief, or Daishogun, giving him the ceremonial sword, called a setto, as a symbol of the sovereign support for his endeavors. Azumahito had fought alongside Fujiwara Umakai in his campaign against the Emishi, and was famous for his martial prowess. It seems likely that he and Hirotsugu had known each other from before, so Emperor Shomu and Tachibana Moroe must have had their own reasons to be assured of his loyalty to them, rather than the rebel of Kyushu. Azumahito was ordered to first offer prayers to Hachiman, the god of war, 
and by October 4th he was marching his army toward Kyushu. This seems to be the earliest mention of a general seeking Hachiman's blessing on a campaign, a scene which we will see repeated many times. According to the official account, among the soldiers in Ono Azumahito's army were 24 Hayato warriors. You'll recall that some of the Hayato made a habit of sending their children to the capital for training and as an assurance of continued loyalty. Along with these two dozen fighters, the Daishogun marshaled an army from the Kansai region and recruited thousands more as he passed through the Chugoku region of western Honshu. The warriors of Chugoku were well known at the time to be superior horsemen. Hirotsugu was likewise busy recruiting soldiers for his big day, conscripting able-bodied men in Dazaifu's home province of Chikuzen. In addition to the support of the Hayato and many of the regional leaders, he also had his younger brother Tsunate recruit troops from the neighboring provinces of Hizen, Chikugo, and Bungo. All of these provinces which contributed to Hirotsugu's quest were on Kyushu, where he had been building his power base for the last two years. It took a few weeks for Daishogun Ono Azumahito to march his army to the western tip of Honshu, gathering more troops as they went. The Imperial Army's plan was to first land in Buzen province and establish a foothold on Kyushu from which they could launch attacks throughout the region. Hirotsugu had identified this as their likely plan and gathered an army in Buzen to meet them. However, he did not yet have the luxury of a united force. The chronicles indicate that Hirotsugu had direct command of 5,000 troops, as did his brother Tsunate, as well as an allied commander named Tago Komaro. This made a total of 15,000 warriors. Ono Azumahito was alleged to have 17,000 under his command, which, if accurate, represents the largest imperial army thus far assembled. Numbers alone do not win battles, however, and Fujiwara Hirotsugu crafted a plan which he believed would nullify the superior numbers of the imperial faction. His plan seemed fairly straightforward. When the enemy landed in Buzen, he had decided this was the most likely landing place, they would see only his own force of 5,000 soldiers and immediately set their battle lines and prepare to attack. As the fighting began, another force of 5,000 would show up on their left, and then another 5,000 on their right, and they would be essentially besieged on three sides. This envelopment, if successful, would crush the spirits of the invaders, and deliver to Hirotsugu a victory which the emperor would be unable to ignore. On paper, this plan looked pretty good, and history may have run a very different course if only Hirotsugu would have been able to make it work. On October 21st, just 23 days after he had sent the letter of protest to Shomu Tenno, the imperial army under Daishogun Ono Azumahito disembarked in Buzen province, just as Hirotsugu had predicted. He was there with his assembled 5,000, waiting for his compatriots to take up their positions on the left and right. 
I'm reminded of the words of Timur, also known as Tamerlane in English language histories. It is better to be on hand with ten men than absent with ten thousand. His compatriots, unfortunately, appear to have met with some delays on the road. While in the normal course of events these would be mere annoyances, for Hirotsugu they would prove disastrous. While one group didn't arrive until the evening, the other was a full day late. Meanwhile, Ono Azumahito disembarked his army as quickly as he could and sent small advanced strike forces into the nearest villages to quickly disarm their defenses and kill any who attempted to bar them entry. As Hirotsugu, probably fuming and pacing, failed to get his army together, many of the leaders whose land was near the port already began sending messengers to Azumahito, telling him that they had always opposed the Fujiwara upstart and that they would be honored to contribute fighting men to the emperor's cause. The Hayato who had come with Ono Azumahito served as scouts, and they knew the countryside well. The late arrival of Hirotsugu's fellow warband leaders only served to underscore the growing sense among his Kyushu native allies that he really didn't know what he was doing. By the time his armies were assembled, Ono Azumahito's forces already controlled a significant chunk of land just beyond the Itabitsu River, from which they could launch future assaults, safely summon reinforcements from Chugoku, and gradually erode Hirotsugu's forces. On October 28, just seven days after the initial landing, an official edict from Emperor Shomu arrived, which spread quickly throughout Kyushu. It declared unequivocally that Fujiwara Hirotsugu was a rebel, that any who followed him were in danger of divine retribution if they did not turn against him to support their lawful government immediately, and that anyone who killed him would be awarded with the fifth court rank. This would make Hirotsugu's killer equal with some of the most elite kuge in Nara, and they would be eligible for many high-ranking appointments. On November 6th, with his forces in danger of desertion, Hirotsugu made his move. Arranging his forces along the Itabitsu River, at a spot where they would outnumber the defenders on the opposite shore, he ordered the vanguard to ford the river with rafts and seize the opposing beachhead. These troops were mostly Hayato warriors, and their crossing was made nearly impossible by the relentless arrows being loosed by the imperial defenders. According to the National Chronicle, the Hayato who had arrived with the imperial forces implored their fellow tribesmen to abandon Hirotsugu, and the Hayato archers fighting on the rebel side stopped loosing their arrows. The story goes that Ono Azumahito came down to the middle of the battlefield and shouted Hirotsugu's name several times until finally the rebellious Fujiwara came to him on horseback. Hirotsugu relayed to Azumahito that he was not trying to fight against the emperor, but against Kibi Makibi and Gembo, that he would never fight against the imperial court. Azumahito countered, Then why did you come here with your army? Hirotsugu, having no answer, turned and went back to his side of the battlefield. The chronicle further states that it was this point which caused many of the Hayato who had been fighting alongside him 
to surrender themselves to the imperial army. Hirotsugu fled as the imperial army advanced, causing many of the warbands to surrender or flee the battlefield as Azumahito's horsemen pressed their advantage. As his army was defeated, Hirotsugu set sail and took shelter on one of the Goto Islands. These are a small cluster of islands just west of Kyushu, though there are over 100 islands in the group, which would have made the job of locating him a difficult one. The story goes that he was trying to make his way to Silla in order to seek asylum within the Korean kingdom. However, the wind was too fierce for his oarsmen and blew them back to the island where they had been hiding, as if the gods were ignoring Hirotsugu's pleas of innocence and condemning him as a rebel. He was arrested on November 20th by a middle-ranking local bureaucrat named Abe Kuromaro, who took him to Karatsu, a major settlement in Hizen province on Kyushu. Kuromaro likewise captured Fujiwara Tsunate, the younger brother who had led troops from the south and didn't arrive in time to alter the course of the battle. A few days later, both Fujiwara brothers were beheaded in a public execution. This punishment was undertaken without official permission from the court, but the zealous regional leader responsible was only lightly chastised. The other ringleaders were taken to the capital to await their fate, which would be determined by the government. In the next episode, we will learn more about their fates, as well as Emperor Shomu's activities during Hirotsugu's rebellion. <laughs> 